certainly that presents a situation where, you know, an encounter can escalate. Now, that doesn't mean because someone resisted, it should ultimately result in the use of deadly force. We have to put the pressure on the school board to go ahead and accept some type of investigation. If they don't want her to do it, do it yourself. Give us some type of investigation or review. Find out what went wrong so you can fix the problem. There, there is absolutely no basis. There's no basis at all. It's disgusting and vile and, and a flat-out lie. You're listening to Pod Suey, the week's top stories served a la carte. Subscribe at thegreatvoice.com or wherever you get your podcasts. State Senator Mallory McMorrow's five-minute speech on the Senate floor this week has gone viral with over 10 million views. I didn't expect to wake up yesterday to the news that the senator from the 22nd District had overnight accused me by name of grooming and sexualizing children in an email fundraising for herself. So I sat on it for a while wondering why me? And then I realized, because I am the biggest threat to your hollow, hateful scheme. Because you can't claim that you are targeting marginalized kids in the name of, quote, parental rights if another parent is standing up to say no. Senator McMorrow blasted fellow Senator Lana Tice for accusing her of being in support of grooming and sexualizing young children in a fundraising email after McMorrow walked out on an opening invocation Tice delivered last week that referenced controversial legislation that prohibits discussion of LGBTQ topics in lower elementary grades in other states. Senator McMorrow on the Mitch Album Show. Now I'm going to read what the material states. This is what Lana Tice put out. These are the people we are up against, progressive social media trolls like Senator Mallory McMorrow, who are, she put Democrat snowflake, who are outraged they can't teach, can't groom and sexualize kindergartners or that eight-year-olds are responsible for slavery. Can you uh, uh, speculate as to what she is basing a sentence like that on? There, there is absolutely no basis. There's no basis at all. It's disgusting and vile and, and a flat-out lie. Was there a, 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 was there an event? Was there something that you tweeted? Was there uh, something that, that, that she clearly misinterpreted? Uh, I'm just trying to get, like, why would somebody just pick you out of the blue if there was nothing in your, in your history to suggest that you were any of these things? Yeah, I mean, she gave uh, an invocation uh, that, you know, was a, a pretty thinly veiled uh, replica of of language from things like Florida's Don't Say Gay Bill, um, where, where she was pleading with God to protect children from dark forces that would have them hear or know or be something against their parents' will. So I, I walked out of that invocation, and, and I did. You know, I tweeted that this is, is scapegoating and fear-mongering, uh, and I pointed to, you know, Utah's GOP uh, governor vetoing uh, a similar bill to one we have here in Michigan to, to prohibit trans kids from playing sports. Uh, and and potentially that's why, why me. So you have taken a, a, a public stand on these issues. And just so that I'm clear, with regard to Florida's law, are, I take it you are not in favor of that law? No, no. I mean, anything that is targeting and marginalizing already marginalized kids to make them feel like they are somehow wrong or unwelcome is, is not okay. Are you in favor of teaching about sexuality, trans uh, 
LGBTQ and other issues between ages five and eight in schools? I mean, teaching that people exist. So this is the issue with the Florida bill. I mean, we learn all the time that, you know, you read stories about Mr. and Mrs. Claus. Are they not allowed to learn that one student might have two moms or two dads? Is that prohibitive? So nobody and nobody's provided evidence that there's sex ed in any sort of a graphic way for children. But yes, you should be exposed to the fact that people of many different backgrounds exist in the world. At ages five to eight. If if my daughter, if I was a gay woman and, and I was married to a woman, yeah, I would want her, her friends to know that she has two moms and that that's wonderful. Um, tell me about when you did, did you you scripted out your response. It looked like you were reading it. What was your had you given thought at some point? Like, I'm just going to let this go. Why? Why stoke a fire and then decided, no, I I want to I want to I want to make a big deal out of it. I mean, I didn't know that I wanted to make a big deal out of it, but I wanted to hit back because once it was a target against me, then I knew that I have a lot of privilege that an already marginalized person does not. And it is using the same kind of inflammatory, hateful rhetoric um, that is being used against marginalized people. And, And I wanted to say something and frankly hit back against the idea that Christianity can be weaponized as a means to justify hatred. Yes, you mentioned that a couple times. You described yourself as a straight, white, Christian, married uh, mother, uh, and and you emphasize that a, a couple times, I, I suppose, to make the point that on paper, you're not necessarily a whole lot different than some of the people that Lanathese is, is, is appealing to, and yet your, your point of view is different than what she's trying to get across. Exactly. Well, and it's this idea that people who use hate are speaking for all of us. And I understand in the same way that that Father Ted Hesburgh of Notre Dame did that, that I have a place where I can use my position to stand up besides marginalized people. So I know that there are a lot of other straight, white, Christian, married, suburban moms who feel exactly like I do, that hate is not okay. And, and we need to say so. It's such a difficult time here now because I find, as someone who just observes, you know, I'm not a politician, I find that a lot of people are saying the same thing on both sides, but yet they hate each other when the other one says it, you know, and, and there's just subtle differences between their particular points of view and and the other sides, but it's just as, as long as you're on the other side, you have to be wrong. I, I think a lot of the people that, for example, may support this Florida bill are also people who do service and help poor people, and and they just have a thing that they they don't want their five, six, seven year olds to be learning about transgenderism in school. Doesn't mean that a parent can't teach whatever they want to teach their children at home about such things. Uh, and yet these are also good Christian people, as you describe, suburban moms, whatever you, someone you, you might otherwise have a lot in common with. But when it comes to this issue, it seems to just divide people. How do we get over that? How do we, how do we unite around the parts that are good, like the service and wanting to help people who have less than us and all the rest, and, and not let the worst in us be the thing that defines us and separates us. 
But we have to recognize when when bills and legislation are introduced that don't actually solve a problem and are intentionally harmful. When pressed, the bill sponsor in Florida could not provide tangible examples of the type of sex grooming type of education in curriculum and was pressed multiple times to provide real examples. It just doesn't happen. So when legislation is introduced and debated and put into law in a state, it sends a message to kids, to parents, to families that who you are is so fundamentally flawed and offensive that we are going to write a law to say that you cannot talk about that when it doesn't happen in the first place. So, you know, I push back on that idea when it is deeply impacting the lives of gay, trans families, kids, whoever, who, who just want to exist in the world. And one of the things that I think about is if, let's say, tomorrow we passed a law in Michigan that said that a trans child could not play a sport on the gender that matches their identity, that would not solve somebody who wants more affordable health care, wants to fix the roads, none of these things. It has just redirected people's anger without solving the issues in a way that might lead to something really dangerous because the LGBTQ community already has a four times higher rate of attempted suicide than those who are not. Lana Tice breaks her silence on all talk with Tom Jordan and Kevin Dietz. The language, I will agree, and the, and the letter was clunky, but the, there are definitively people there. So if you go on TikTok, you can find people in the educational space. There's a professor that's defending sex with 13-year-olds, says it can be consensual. There's um, a, a gal <clears throat> that has a children's sexy camp, and she leads the video talking about sexualizing her nephew making him comfortable with his sexual parts just as he's learning to speak. This is grooming. Now, I'm sorry that people get so upset about that word and they have tried to redefine it to mean pedophile. No, words mean things. And I'm sorry that the left has tried to spin it, but you should never be providing inappropriate sexual content to a child. This is a parental rights issue. It is up to the parents to make the determination what information is going to be provided to these children in this space. And for these people to think that it's their job, people who like, I'm, I'm going to ask, like, for all of your listeners, raise your hand if you think parents are more invested in the well-being of their children than than the system, than the institution that is supporting this information being pushed on them. If you could go back in time, would you do anything differently on what has transpired during this situation? I would have had that language be written differently. Yeah, absolutely. But let, let me tell you a few more of the, the things that we're dealing with here, because they are very, very real. Attorney General Dana Nessel has renewed her offer to conduct an independent investigation into the Oxford High School shooting. The school district turned down Nessel's initial offer back in December. Nessel sent a letter to the Oxford School District offering the state services for a second time after meeting with Oxford parents on Monday. Lori Bourgeau is an Oxford parent and village council member who attended the meeting, and she talks about it with Paul W. Smith. Overall, was it a significant meeting? Were you overall satisfied with what the Attorney General Nessel had to say? Um, I think within reason, yes. I mean, the, what's really disturbing is just how little oversight our state has over our schools. 
And so, you know, one of the things she discussed quite a bit was when she attempted to investigate MSU and without having the right to subpoena information, you can only work with what they're willing to give you. And so at this point in time, so far, the school hasn't been willing to give up any information for anybody to look into it. And so her hands are a little tied in that way. Um, Some parents did stand up and said, a school board member said, we didn't say you can't do an investigation, just not right now. So she said, all right, I'll ask again tomorrow. And um, somebody said, please do it publicly. And so she said she'd ask again today, and we'll see if the school still says no. Fascinating. I mean, anybody, everybody would know that any investigation of a horrific circumstance, tragedy like this one at Oxford High School, the sooner you investigate, the better. Time is not friendly to investigations. People forget. People don't know certain things or things change or even in our own minds, what we saw, what we experienced is different or changed. Investigating is something that should happen as quickly as possible. So for somebody to stand up and say, we didn't say you couldn't investigate. We just said not now or not yet. Mm-hmm. Is that's a frankly that's a head scratcher to me right from the beginning. Oh, absolutely, and it, it definitely is. Uh, what leaves us parents very concerned about it is why would you need to wait? The prosecutor has already come out and said it will not affect justice in the criminal trials. So. Why would you wait unless it is fully and entirely due to civil trials? And that's the way it appears to us. Fascinating that you would say we've got to Oxford High School parent, concerned parent, Lori Bourgeau with us, who promised she would call us back after the attorney general met with a group of parents, concerned parents, which is what took place last night. For you to, for you to say how little oversight the state has over schools is pretty jarring when you consider how much money is funneled to virtually all the schools through the state and our payment of taxes. So if if she doesn't have the, the, the ability to go in and do something, is this group of parents enough to get her to have the green light to go in and do something, I guess is what I'm asking. Did you get that impression at all, or did she still... She said she was going to ask again if she could investigate. Uh, She said she'd ask again, and I believe what it really is is we have to put the pressure on the school board to go ahead and accept some type of investigation. If they don't want her to do it, do it yourself. Give us some type of investigation or review. Find out what went wrong so you can fix the problem. Patrick Leoya, the 26-year-old man whose death at the hands of a Grand Rapids police officer was caught on camera, was laid to rest after a funeral on Friday. Former Police Chief James Craig, now Republican candidate for governor, gives his thoughts on the shooting on All Talk with Tom Jordan and Kevin Dietz. I've overseen so many uh, deadly officer-involved shooting incidents uh, throughout my career, especially as chief in three cities. And so there's a lot still we don't know because the Michigan State Police, who have done a phenomenal job in uh, doing investigations on these type of matters. But um, my take on it is two, twofold. I do have concerns. I mean, one, uh, we know when someone 
refuses a lawful order in the case of Loyola, you know, certainly that presents a situation where, you know, an encounter can escalate. Now, that doesn't mean because someone resisted, it should ultimately result in, uh, in, in the use of deadly force. But I also question and look at the officer's tactic leading up to this situation. Uh, one, you know, uh, traffic infraction uh, would have been a, a good idea to make sure backup was in place. Uh, I think that in itself could have de-escalated the situation. But what we don't know, and it comes down to simply this, uh, at some point during this encounter, uh, the officer's taser was possessed. I don't know if it was fully possessed. There was a struggle. Certainly during that struggle, uh, his body-worn camera was de deactivated. We don't know. I don't know because I'm not doing an investigation. Uh, did he personally cut it off or did it, was it shut down because of the, the encounter, the struggle? Uh, now, he did, we do know that he discharged the taser twice, um, but if the subject had possession of the taser, certainly in that officer's mind, he could view that as an imminent threat uh, to his life or an imminent threat to great bodily harm, but we don't know that, and the only way we'll know it until this investigation is complete. When you look and at so, it, though, when you look at it, sir, do, does this tell you that the police need to be defunded or funded more and trained more? Well, that's a broad statement. I, I don't loop every police department in the same. I look at the Detroit Police Department, uh, well-trained. In fact, after every officer-involved shooting that results in death, uh, we have what, what uh, I call a 72-hour briefing. Early in the investigation, we could look at the issues the tactics leading up to the shooting, uh, we'd have a pretty good sense of what was going on. And in that process, we could make a determination whether or not training is needed or are we trained the right way. So um, I've heard different things as it relates to this department in terms of possible training. I don't know that firsthand, but I don't want to just say, well, when you see this, uh, should we train more? Well, we can always train. I just don't know enough about this department how they train, um, but I don't want to prejudge this thing until we have all the facts on the table. This is all preliminary and speculation on my part. Former Red Wing Zamboni driver El Zabatka broke his silence this week as to why he was fired last month by Olympia Entertainment after decades with the team. According to Zabotka, he was fired after urinating into a floor drain inside the Zamboni garage, claiming he couldn't make it to a bathroom due to a medical condition. Al appeared with his lawyer, Deborah Gordon, on The Guy Gordon Show, no relation, to discuss a lawsuit he's filing against his former employer. Trying to hang in, it's very difficult, you know. So it's like I said, getting up and have nowhere to go, you know, it's, it's mind-bugging. I've done this for so many years and seven days a week or whatever, six days. Uh, you got up every morning and I loved going there, you know, and I never... Never not wanted to go, no matter how tired I was or anything or hurt. Many times I, you know, I had a bad back or herniated disc or my knee or something that, you know, I limped along and went every day. Yeah. And Deborah, I think you've pointed out that, you know, most of us in our professional lives can seek new employment somewhere else pretty easily. 
um, Al's job is kind of unique. It's one of a kind. Yes, um, and he he helped um, build that reality himself. It is truly your replaceable guy. Um, Al can explain it better than I can, but to be a part of Hockey Town, to help create the concept of Hockey Town, to be part of something so much bigger than yourself, and uh, you know have have such a relationship with the fans, the players, the coaches, you know it's it's just a major major loss to Al. I, I can understand. Yeah, to, you know, all of us I have suffered to, job losses, uh, but none quite as you know. And this is also public, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, so I I went to I believe about twenty two, twenty three coaches in my whole career that I worked there <laughs> since nineteen seventy one, and knowing them all, some didn't last that long. But you know, uh, relationships with Scotty Bowman to Alex Delvecchio, Ted Lindsay, yeah. uh, Sid Abel, uh, Jacques Demers, uh, uh, you know you. <laughs> Uh, Brian Murray, uh, some of the most fabulous guys you ever want to meet. Right. And even Mike Babcock, who he, he and I were great. Uh, Jeff Blashill now is an awesome guy, and I could go on and on right. with some of those guys and some hundreds of players. Uh, like I told Deborah, I got a message from Igor Larianov last week or a while back, a couple of weeks ago, from Igor Larionov, he saw my termination on Russian TV. Oh, my gosh. And he reached out. How how great yeah. is that? I, I know it's sensitive and a, and a delicate health matter, but for those that have heard this story or have only heard parts of it or maybe don't understand prostate issues and don't understand what happened that day and, and why you felt the need to urinate in a drain rather than going to a restroom that was some 70 feet away, explain what happens to guys with with uh, well, your your problem and and there's a lot of us out there. Yeah, there's a lot of us, and uh, you know, in the Zamboni room, obviously, there's uh, water. Was water running? Because I was in the process of refilling the machines after the mo- before the after we done the ice, so you have to refill them. And three of the guys that were with me, I asked them to go take a break, and uh, two of them jumped on it, and this one gentleman. Uh, chose to stay back, and uh, I didn't see him around, but he snuck around somehow, and he's the one that did it, and that's what I'm going to live with now. You know, I don't right. know why. I, uh, uh, You know, and the area I was in, it was not between the Zambonis. It was a, on a corner of the one on the left. To anybody who walked by that room could not see yeah. him. There's no way. Yep. And with the water running, I had to go. I started. Right. You turn around and I say, I, I got to go right now. And that's what I did. There, I there was ex- extreme urgency. Yes. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I don't know how to explain it to people, but I, I you know, it, it, there are things like that that are triggers and you, you don't think you can make it. I, I know it's been heartbreaking for you and, and probably you, you feel like there's been some faith broken here. Would you go back? Absolutely. Without any hesitation, I'd go back tomorrow. Explain that, Al. Why? Because I love it so much. That'll do it for Potsuya this week. For full episodes or anything else you might have missed, go to thegreatvoice.com. See you next time.